Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up on our relationship hour after uh, 10.15, the predictors of divorce according to science. What does the research say about who uh, among us are more likely to get divorced? What are some of the conditions in a relationship that could lead us down that path? But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Feel free to email me as well to laurie at drlaurie.com. Now, uh, before I get into answering some of your questions, um, I'm looking for, I want to start a new panel. I'm going to do a baby boomers panel. So, you know, we have a millennial panel and a female panel and a male panel. And maybe I'll alternate with some of those panels and do baby boomers instead. So if you are a baby boomer, born, uh, I guess, uh, prior to 1964, and you are not shy, and you are open to talking about sex and joining our panel. I am uh, reviewing candidates, so if you are interested, do email me to laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at drlaurie, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E dot com. Let me know, and uh, we'll be in touch, and in the next few months, we'll plan a panel a baby boomer panel. I've been getting requests for that for from quite a few of the listeners. Uh, and, um, you know, you're right. We need to get uh, all age perspective, right? So I'm I'm a baby boomer myself on the, uh, the last year born of the, the baby boomers. So I want to find people who are older than I am as well. And uh, I think it'll make for a very interesting panel. So if you're interested, email me, laurie at drlaurie.com. So here I got, uh, this was from our passion poet actually, but he sent me an interesting uh, question that came up at a dinner party. And I'm going to throw it out there because I think it, uh, maybe we could do our own little poll. So he writes, during our dinner party, we played a little fun game to find out who, to find out who is like what. Uh, well, answers were anonymous, but you had to write if answer was from a male or a female. We were six couples at this time, and I wrote a scenario question. This sounds a bit like the game Scruples. Uh, one that I w- was always curious about. So this is the question. I'll give you the results of his little, little um, you know, survey dinner party, and you can weigh in as well. You are blindfolded and receiving amazing oral sex. After a minute, you remove the blindfold to discover the person giving you oral sex is the same sex as you. So we're obviously talking about a heterosexual group of people here. Do you stop the person or let them continue? What would be your answer? So here's what he, his and the answers from his uh, little group. So they were 12 people, six couples. Five out of the six women said they would let them continue. And only one male out of six said they would let them continue. So... I want you to answer and let me know what you're, tell me if you're a male or female. So here's the question. You are blindfolded and receiving amazing oral sex. After a minute, you remove the blindfold to discover the person giving you oral sex is the same sex as you. Do you stop the person or let them continue from our, one of our listeners who wrote this in. 
there's a there was another question that came up, but this to me is the most interesting one, and maybe we'll do another one on uh, tomorrow night. I'll ask the other question. So, uh, out of all these couples, five out of the six women said they would let them continue. Only one male out of six said they would let them continue. So a female weighs in and says, "I would let them continue." Want to hear? Want to do our little passion, unofficial little poll here and find out. 514-800 to uh, to weigh in. All right, let me answer a couple of questions here before we get into our topic. And uh, we're going to be talking about predictors of uh, divorce. And this is according to all the research that's been done in the last, you know, few decades on uh, on divorce. Uh, My boyfriend and I have been together for five years and are both 25 and very comfortable together. He has pre-ejaculated since the very first time and still does. There has been no improvement and he lasts about 20 seconds. We have plenty of sex, but I'm beginning to be desperate and sexually unsatisfied. He makes plenty of efforts through oral sex and toys, but nothing replaces intercourse. So for this woman, intercourse is important. For many women, it's not as important, but 20 seconds is definitely considered premature. Under a minute, usually, of thrusting would be considered uh, premature. So I would ask, has he tried the exercises like to train himself and you can help him out here but the first thing would be for him to be very aware of his point of no return so he has to really focus on the sensations in his penis he's got to do this first through masturbation himself so first you do it with a dry hand then you do it with um, a, a lubed hand then uh, he would practice so you practice the starting and stopping starting and stopping starting and stopping till you extend the time then uh, you would do it as the partner so with a dry hand then with a lubed hand then through oral sex so he would need your collaboration obviously and then with uh, with intercourse if none of this stuff works None of this stuff works, then he might be a candidate for medication. Because right now there's nothing on the market, although um, John Paul mentioned this last night and I looked into it, they are studying, like sending a, like electrical currents. It's like a, like a, a TENS, I think it's called a TENS machine that they use like in physiotherapy. Uh, placed on the perineum that seems to show some promising results, but it's not available yet. So the only thing available, and it's not even for premature ejaculation, but at least it's been studied, is using low-dose antidepressant, uh, a low-dose SSRI to induce the side effect of delayed ejaculation. They use this because they found that when uh, men who are depressed are given um, antidepressants, what ends up happening or what they complain about in terms of some of the side effects is that they can't ejaculate. So studies were done to see what is at the what is the lowest dose that would induce the um, the delayed ejaculation, and this is what has been studied. So it works uh, for most men. This approach works, but it means taking a pill every day. So that's something. All right, uh, so another one, uh, so the, the question that came up, uh, if you were blindfolded and receiving amazing oral sex and then you removed your blindfold after a minute to discover the person giving you oral sex is the same sex as you, would you stop the person or let them continue? Two females say uh, continue. Uh, 
Um, third female says, uh, I would let them continue as long as I didn't have to reciprocate. <laughs> Another female. Uh, another one said, no, I, this is a guy, no way, I'm heterosexual and only attracted to women. Another one, no, I wouldn't continue, I'm a woman and not at all turned on by woman-to-woman sex, even in porn. Um, another one says, I'm a hetero male, I think it's a matter of consent. Did I consent to the oral sex in the first place? Was I tricked? Okay, that would be horrible if you were tricked. Uh, let's just say, no, there was no tricking in, involved. Uh, oh, hey, Dr. L, whatever ha- happened to your passion poet and his situation over the holidays, i.e. his current girlfriend knowing his past girlfriend, but neither girlfriend knew that he is dating or had dated the other. So I did get feedback. Everything went fine. Everybody got along. There was no issue. The two, the ex and the new girlfriend are friends, and uh, everything went uh, as well, uh, better than expected, I guess, was is the word for that. Uh, coming up, more of your texts, and we'll talk about the predictors of divorce according to science. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Still getting answers to this question. If you're blindfolded, receiving amazing oral sex, and after a minute you remove the blindfold to discover the person giving you oral sex is the same sex as you. This is a fictitious, fictitious scenario that one of our listeners posed at a dinner party to find out what people thought and asked the question, do you stop the person or let them continue? Five out of the women, five out of the six women said they would let them continue. One male out of six said would let them continue. And our own poll here is showing more or less the same thing. Many, most of the women writing in said they would let them continue. Male saying, no, they would stop it. Although uh, one female says here, I would stop it. Even if it was great, I do not feel comfortable knowing another woman is touching me intimately. So uh, thank you for that. That's fun to have it. Imagine (laughs) that's a fun dinner party. (laughs) Uh, So there's been much, much research done on um, divorce, right? I mean, the divorce rate is rather high, almost uh, half of all divorces. That's the number that's been thrown around for a long time, although it seems to be going down. Um, but uh, marriages end in divorce. So close to 50%, between 40 and 50% of marriages end in divorce. So obviously social scientists are very interested in finding out why does this happen? Who are the the, uh, couples who are more likely to divorce? And can we even go so far as to predict couples that will divorce. So there have been many studies done on this. One of the most notable is John Gottman's research and uh, he can predict or him and his team have been able to predict the couples that would divorce because they do longitudinal studies uh, by like 98% or 95% or something like that, which is pretty incredible. So I'm going to talk about that a little later on, but there are many other I would call them sometimes obscure like reasons, they're really correlations. So many studies show a correlation between something and the likelihood of divorce. Not It's not a causal, it's not causing it, but there is a correlation. So I'm going to talk to you about some of those that are, uh, that are correla- correlated with it. So uh, one of the biggies 
And these are, these are factors that would increase your odds. Okay. It doesn't mean that if that it happened to you, or this is your situation, that there's a guarantee you're going to divorce, but it would simply raise a couple's odds of splitting up. One of them is if your parents got divorced. So a study in, uh, published in psychological sciences suggests that this may have more to do with nature than nurture, believe it or not. They examined data from nearly 20,000 adults. So this is a very large study who had been adopted as kids and found that the patterns of marriage and divorce were more similar to those of their biological parents. So they actually had information on their biological, the status of their biological parents and not their adoptive ones. They say a lot of the scientific evidence to date has suggested that seeing your parents go through a divorce contributes to your own propensity to experience divorce yourself. But those studies have haven't controlled for the fact that those parents are also contributing genes to their children. By looking at adopted children, we're able to separate out the genetic factors and the environmental ones. The genetic link is likely due to inherited personality traits like neuroticism and impulsivity, which are in turn linked to a higher chance of divorce. So this is a very interesting way to look at it. Although I still believe that growing up or seeing, um, it's not necessarily the, the fact that the, your parents got divorced, but what led to the divorce the learned behavior of how to be in a relationship, you can carry that into your own relationship, which could then also lead to a divorce. So there's obviously uh, different ways of, of looking at this. Another factor that could raise your odds of splitting up is if your alcohol habits don't match your spouse's alcohol habits. So it may cause problems if say one partner likes to drink and the other one, uh, doesn't in a survey, in a, a study done in uh, Buffalo researchers found that among couples in which one person was a heavy drinker and the other wasn't 45 to 55% got divorced before their 10th anniversary. Meanwhile, when both partners or neither partner drank, only around 35% of couples split up. So it does increase it significantly. Another factor, which uh, this has been studied quite a bit because it's kind of easy to, to follow, but according to, um, to this, uh, if you got married young, uh, so tying the knot, in your teens and early twenties, I don't know how many people actually tie the knot in their teens these days, but nonetheless, this is an American study. So I don't know, maybe certain States, uh, seems to increase divorce risk. So if you get married in your early twenties compared to getting hitched, let's say in your late twenties and early thirties puts you more at risk of getting divorced. But if you wait until after age 32, it once again raises your divorce risk. So somewhere between your, there's like an optimal age, I would say, and I'm not sure the why with all of that, but 
we do know that getting married young, what ha- what can happen, and I, I see this myself in, in, in my practice, is that when you're very young, you uh, seem to be on the same page, but there's a lot of growth that happens between 18 and 30, right? And you could be comp- going in complete different directions. So this is a the, the formative years for developing identity and values and direction, career direction and, and all of that. So that can cause some strain on a relationship when you're no longer growing in, in the same direction or your wants change, right? You may want something at 18 or think you want something that can totally change when you are uh, 30 years old. This is this one's interesting. So your level of hotness, your, your, attracti- your attractiveness. Apparently, good-looking partners have a harder time staying together. Uh, this study found that physical attractiveness was linked to a higher likelihood of getting divorced. I don't know, just think about all the celebrity breakups, I guess. Uh, in a series of four studies, the researchers determined that both regular people and celebrities were more likely to split if they scored higher on scales of attractiveness. And the most more attractive, the more vulnerable to temptation you are than more average looking married people. Let me know if you agree with any of this or if you have found any of these factors to be true in your own lives or your own divorces. I'd be curious. 514-800 if you would like to weigh in and, and give me some of your own opinions on this. Here's an obscure one, uh, and this is obviously correlational. So if you spent a lot of money on your wedding, apparently, um, you are more likely to divorce. So this was a study done in 2015. Uh, women whose weddings totaled more than $20,000, I don't know, today's standards, I, I would think that the price of a, a wedding is much higher, your average price of a wedding, but I, I'm not sure, um, were 3.5 times more likely to get divorced than women whose weddings cost between five and $10,000. Men and women who spent less than $1,000 on their nuptials were the least likely to get divorced. So I, I guess it's the, what does it mean here? Does it talk about valuing the marriage over the wedding? I don't know. I, I knew a couple that spent so much money on a, on a wedding, so much money, like it was a, a, an obscene amount to later, you know, just a, a couple of years later to get divorced. I mean, I, of course, I'm not making, I'm not saying that that's because of the, the spent money, but I'm, sometimes I wonder about the values in, the, in all of that. <laughs> Sean the trucker weighs in and said, non-attractive people have less chance of divorce. Sweet. I'm a solid two. <laughs> well, see, there's got to be a silver lining somewhere. Uh, all right. Let's see. What else do we got here? Oh, here's another interesting one, which this one was like, what? Uh, apparently, there is a higher rate of divorce among couples with a firstborn daughter. So 
I'm a firstborn daughter of my parents. They're not divorced. I have a firstborn that was a daughter and I'm not divorced. So I don't know. But anyway, compared to those who have a son, the findings have been interpreted over the years to reflect a sexist preference for sons on the part of fathers. A little simplistic, I would say. Um, I don't know, uh, but a 2014 study suggests that rocky marriages, the kind that may already be headed for divorce, might actually produce girls thanks to a concept known as the female survival advantage. Girls may well be surviving stressful pregnancies that boys can't survive. Thus, girls are more likely than boys to be born into marriages that were already strained. I, I loved the social sciences to fight, like just to find the reasons and all the, all the different angles of why something happens is just fascinating to me to look at all the different hypotheses to this, right? Because you can find, you can make these correlations, but what of them? What you, you know, where does it come from? Why? I'm more interested in the why than the actual numbers, right? Uh, well, coming up, I'm going to share some more obscure, um, let's say things that can make you more likely to get divorced and also, or predictors some of the, the predictors of divorce, but I also want to get into, uh, more seriously, some of John Gottman's research that really looks at the four elements that really predict the end of a marriage. Like the other stuff is kind of fun little, um, statistical, uh, tidbits of information and correlational stuff. But here I really want to talk about what can actually predict to almost a hundred percent the end of a marriage. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. We've been talking about the predictors of divorce according to uh, research. A few of your texts here. I agree with the alcohol situation. My husband's drinking progressed so much over our marriage that I needed out. The behavior and emotional emotionally unavailability was intolerable. Much better life now. And this was uh, one of the predictors of marriage was that your alcohol habits don't match your spouses. Of course, it can cause great strain in a relationship. Our passion poet weighs in. Many people marry wanting a lifetime love, thinking you're the perfect couple who fit like a glove. Now years have passed and now there's a glitch. You're not sure why it's the seven year itch. Now many years have passed and now more sorrow. You go to bed realizing he's going to still be here tomorrow. Now what to do? Now what do you do? Most of your best days gone away. I'm too used to this insanity, to his insanity. I might as well stay. Yeesh. Uh, that's like staying because of fear, right? Fear of being alone, fear of the unknown. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I don't ascribe to that, but some people do, and um, it's based on fear. Another person says, I was good looking when younger, and I think it made me superficial without realizing it. People constantly tell you that you're good looking, and you end up in relationships with good looking counterparts. 
It seems maybe the relationship is too based on that. Took me a long time to snap out of it and to search for meaning in relationships. And maybe that has a lot to do with it, with why good, you know, good looking people, again, it's a big generalization, but here you go. Uh, that's what the studies show that they are more likely to divorce. Uh, someone else weighs in. What about overall net worth? Is there a higher incidence of divorce for the rich? There is actually, uh, I sus- there's more incidence also of infidelity, the wealthier you are. Uh, I suspect one's tolerance level would be far lower as with celebrities. I would argue it is not hotness, but rather money. But I think in these studies, uh, they would, they control for all of, for many factors, right? So they can't just make a statement like that without controlling for all the other factors. Um, so that's, that's my guess, but those are two separate issues, the amount of money and the, uh, attractiveness, uh, some other ones too, if, um, uh, apparently uh, education. So earning at least a bachelor's degree has been linked to a longer and stronger, uh, marriage. Uh, men and women who completed college had a 78% and 65% chance respectively of their marriages lasting at least 20 years compared to women and men with a high school diploma who had uh, just a 41% and 47% chance of the same marriage uh, duration. So religion, um, education has a lot to do with it. Uh, another factor, uh, per, it's not a predictor, but it's a cor- correlational factor of divorce is if you were raised without religion, women who grew up in religious households are more likely to stay with their spouse than women without a religious upbringing. Of course, that doesn't necessarily say anything about uh, happiness level, but more about, uh, you know, you mustn't, uh, divorce, I guess. Uh, and if you've been divorced before, then uh, your odds also are uh, slightly higher uh, of getting divorced if you have been divorced prior. So there you go. Uh, Just statistically, about 35% of marriages end within 10 years, while about 40% of second marriages end within that period. But sometimes the second one is a charm or the third one is a charm or, or what have you. Uh, let's see. All right. Now I, uh, want to talk a little bit about the four horsemen that predict the end of marriage. What, what is that? So there's been a lot of research done, extensive research by this couple, uh, Dr. John and Dr. Julie Gottman, and they really have picked this apart and, uh, studied this in great detail and they found four primary predictors of divorce. The other stuff I gave you were, are not predictors of divorce. They're just coral, like you are more likely to if, so your odds are, but these are really, uh, predictors and they were able to pretty much, um, really predict with an accuracy rate of over 90%, which couples, and they've studied thousands of couples over a a very long time, uh, they were able to predict which ones would, uh, would get divorced. So these, there are four characteristics that he called, they call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They are criticism, contempt, 
defensiveness and stonewalling. All of these things can happen, you know, here and there to some degree in any marriage. But if there are more than one that are there or one that is so pervasive, then, um, it can predict the end of your relationship. So let's take criticism for one. When you criticize your spouse, what are you doing? You're implying that something is inherently wrong with your person, with the person, right? Maybe you're attacking your partner's personality. Maybe you're attacking their character. The intent is to win an argument or to prove your spouse wrong. You know, maybe you've heard this. You always do this. You never do this. Or you're the type of person who does this. Or why are you so, okay, if there's a lot of this going on, uh, of course, this makes your uh, partner feel attacked. And what's the response? Usually, it puts your partner on the defensive. So this is a really bad pattern to get into because both of you do not feel heard. You uh, both start to feel badly about yourselves and um, there's a different, you can have, a, you can have a complaint about your partner. That's okay. That's normal, but you have to be specific about the complaint and not attacking somebody's character, not attacking their personality, talking more about this is how I feel when blah, blah. Okay. Rather than going on the attack contempt. Now this one, this one's heavy because once you get to a place where you are regularly expressing contempt for your partner, this is scary. This is pretty much when you get to this point, very predictive of divorce or the end of the, um, relationship. Basically what we're talking about here is if you make any statement or have behaviors, whether they're verbal or nonverbal, that, um, asserts superiority to your partner, maybe uh, here's some of the things that are significant uh, examples of this, like mocking your partner, name calling, eye rolling, showing hostility, uh, insensitive joking, hurtful sarcasm, sneering in disgust, all of that, because this attacks your partner's sense of self. It's also intended to put down your partner. It is a form of emotional abuse and it is a form of manipulation. Um, you cannot have contempt in a healthy relationship. It is the opposite of a culture of respect, appreciation, tolerance, and kindness, which you need in order to have a healthy marriage. The third horseman in, in that are real, a real predictor of divorce is defensiveness. So if you're high on defensiveness in your marriage, in your relationship, that is a danger signal right there. And that comes from, we get defensive when we are perceiving an attack, right? And then we attack with a, with a counter, uh, complaint, for example. Yeah. But you know, 
this is when you say yeah but that is a defensive uh, statement for example so making excuses or blaming somebody else for it or not you know not taking uh, responsibility or trying to match your partner's criticism so you do this well you do that and so if this kind of thing if you're unable to really listen to your partner's uh, perspective and just be defensive and needing to win this, then this is a huge predictor of divorce as well. Coming up, the fourth horseman of that predicts divorce, stonewalling. So we'll talk about stonewalling. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Tonight, we're talking about factors that make you more likely to get divorced, but uh, John Gottman's research, which are, it's a longitudinal study, so he has studied thousands of couples over, over the long haul, over decades, and he can predict whether a couple will get divorced based on these four criteria, um, which we, uh, we talked about. So, uh, I want to talk about stonewalling now, which, uh, I think is, well, it's probably the one of the, well, they're all bad. The, the, the four that we have talked about are, uh, all pretty bad, right? Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and now stonewalling. What is stonewalling? Stonewalling is when there is complete withdrawal from communication, and used as a strategy to avoid conflict. That is stonewalling. It might be something like physically leaving a room. So your partner starts to talk to you, maybe complaining, maybe trying to talk to you about something and you shut them down. You shut them down by leaving the room uh, or um, you, you, give them the silent treatment or, uh, you know, answer with one word answers. You change the subject, you storm out. That is stonewalling. Now I get it that sometimes in communication, you can feel overwhelmed. A person might need to take a step back. What's important so that your partner does not feel stonewalled is that you tell them, look, I need to digest this. I just need a breather. I will come back to you and we can talk about this when I have calmed down. That is very different than um, just storming out, leaving the room and giving your partner uh, the, the silent treatment. So it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but you have to be able to verbalize that you feel overwhelmed, that you need a break and that you will come back and talk about it. Very, very, uh, different. So if any of these things are happening in your relationship, if all of these things are happening in a relationship, please go get help, go see a marriage counselor, learn how to communicate better. Um, find out what, the heck is going on there so you can fix it because if it gets to a point where there's so much water under the bridge where there's years of uh, criticism defensiveness uh, stonewalling um, and when it gets to a place of contempt for your partner you will most likely get divorced get help before it gets to that point very very important A couple of texts here. The four horsemen described every aspect of my abusive marriage. After 12 years, I finally broke free, 
but I'm now living domestic violence by proxy. So what's happening now? What do you mean by, by proxy? Who is being abused and how is this um, affecting you? And good for you for recognizing and, and finally leaving an abusive marriage. Uh, any issue can be resolved. This texter says with four rules, one discuss issue with partner Two: no raising voice three, set a time limit, no interrupting Four: a compromise can always be reached. Even if agreeing to disagree, um, absolutely. You are, uh, you're very right. Another texter says my parents separated when I was five, but I knew something was not right. Dad grew up in a household where every penny was treated like a dollar. Mom came from a generous home, giving money to charities, volunteering, etc. They were always fighting over finances, even over a petulant penny being wasted. I ended up living with Mom. She made sure I appreciated life, but not above my means. My dad was tight till the end. Unfortunately, money issues, especially debt, by the way, is a predictor as well, is a a predictor of divorce because debt brings on a lot of uh, stress, but also the value, how we value spending. So if you have one person who's a work, work, work and, and save, 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 and then you are with somebody who may be a spender, for example, that's going to cause uh, a lot of issues in a relationship as well. Uh, in my opinion, these types of looks are linked to money. A lot of celebs have work done. Kylie Jenner used to look like a plain Jane. Then she had tons of procedures. Now she has lips, but she looks ridiculous and fake. Personally, I don't like the total plastic look and faces that don't move. I don't know many people who, who really do, but anyway. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for the pers- the living uh, domestic violence by proxy, the children are being used as weapons. That is the saddest situation when when something like that happens, when the kids are put in the middle because they are the innocent victims in all of this. And... Um, Whatever you can do legally, you try to do, right? And then when they're grown up, hopefully they will see it for what it is. But it's a very, it's a very sad situation that I wish there was a, an, an easy answer to, a resolution to. But unfortunately, there isn't. And by the way, that's why a lot of people stay. Like I've known a lot of women who stayed in... Uh, in uh, abusive marriages until the kids were grown up and, and left home and, and were able to fend for themselves and, uh, and so were less likely, A, to be left alone with a, an abusive uh, partner uh, or parent and, um, and where the, the, the other parent, the, the, not the abused spouse, was served as a buffer between the two. So, um, I've seen that situation happen, but there's a, like a, you know, again, you're weighing the costs here, right? So just to end off some other obscure, like, again, I was was going through research, right? So all the predictors based on research, but there's some really obscure stuff also that predict or correlate with, uh, with divorce. So one of them was if the bride had pre-wedding jitters. Interestingly, if the groom had doubts, there was no impact on the future of the marriage. But if the bride had pre-wedding 
jitters. If she had cold feet, then the couple's risk of divorce more than doubles. Imagine. If a family has two daughters, apparently that ups your chance, apparently because fathers get more invested in family life when they have boys. Is that true? Is that, you know, again, these are, you know, generalizations, not true of everybody, but nonetheless. Another texter writes in, my ex-wife was abused by her former husband. After eight years, she told me that I was her white knight and she never loved me and wanted a divorce. Oh, that's, that's sad and hurts. Um, so you were her knight in shining armor, but yet she never loved you. So she used you to get out of a bad situation. Yikes. Uh, that must hurt. Uh, oh, that's sweet. Somebody texted Dr. Lori. This is an amazing show in a single hour. I truly believe you have helped countless couples. Thank you. Well, that's sweet of you to say thank you. I just hope this is my, my hope is that if you're listening and you recognize your own marriage in this, that you'll take action because non-action, like things don't get better just on their own. Yeah, all couples go through ebbs and flows and we all have moments of difficulty and we, there are stressful times and there are challenges. That's life. That, that, that's just the, the reality of life. But if you can't overcome together, if you cannot come to an agreement or you see yourselves going in circles and going around the same circle over and over and over again, and you're not getting to a resolution, then get outside help. Like we are here to do this for you. There, there are plenty of marriage counselors and therapists who specialize in, in, in this area who have seen hundreds and hundreds of couples and can help them with skills and communication skills and getting out, like getting out whatever the issues are in a safe environment where you can talk about this. And if need be, if you um, feel you are in an abusive situation, abusive relationship, there is help for you too. There are organizations you can go to. There are private therapists you can go to. They will help you find a way out and find a way to understand and get you to feel more empowered to be able to, to, to do something that's good for you. I don't think anybody should be, uh, living in a toxic, toxic situation. You have one life to live folks like one. So we got to make it best we can, as good as we can make it. So, and, and the, I'm also not saying by the way, at the first sign of anything, run to divorce court, run to the therapist. It's a lot cheaper and you could find a way to be good together. And also remember you if you're together, you loved each other once you got married because hopefully because you loved each other. So let's try and remember that and work on it. And that's my rant. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, especially for all of your wonderful, uh, wonderful texts tonight. Uh, you make the show. You truly do. Now, if you are a baby boomer and you want to be part of a baby boomer panel and you're not shy and you are okay to talk about sexuality in general, you don't have to necessarily talk about your sexuality and you want to be a guest on one of our passion panels, 
then email me, laurie at drlaurie.com and uh, do a little short interview and we'll see if you'd be a good candidate for one of our panels. It's a lot of fun. You'll have fun with it. Uh, thank you so much, Chris Aiken, our technical producer tonight. If you want to connect with me on uh, social media, you can do that at Dr. Lori Petito, B-E-T-I-T-O is how you spell my last name. You can go on my website, drlaurie.com as well, and there you will find all the podcasts of past shows, including this one. So if you want someone you know to hear this particular show, you can pass on uh, the link. Coming up next here on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.